Uh, I got. Let me ask a question. What is? Or somebody give me an example of sin. Real quick. Real, real quick. <laughs> okay, now the problem with asking that is none of you guys even know what sin is. You guys don't even sin, so you're like, what's sin? What's that? That's, that's probably good news there. <laughs> but let me help you out a little bit. I'll help you. Uh, this, is, this is what people say, and, and rightfully so. I mean, uh, you know, John said sin is the transgression of the law. So, you know, um, hating your brother would be a sin, right? I mean, we, we could start a list, and we could, then we could start saying things. There are things that God hates. That there are some abominations that God, people that, that sow discord. Um, uh, there's so many things that are a sin. And then if you examine it, then, you can, then, then if it's not spelled out plainly, you can bring, up, bring those things into sin. And, uh, you know, we were talking the other night with some people, and then it got to where it's almost like if you're not leading somebody to the Lord every day, you're sinning, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, but, but sin is a very real thing. Sin, sin are choices that people make, and they're bad actions. They're bad for you. They hurt you. They hurt somebody else. You don't want to do it. <laughs> the Bible doesn't, doesn't condone it at all. In fact, Jesus came to deliver us from sin, <laughs> right? And the soul that sins dies. And so he came to give us life. Now, but with people and in the church, there's a big concern about it because Sin kills. It's bad for you. <laughs> and, and many ministers, we, we don't, all ministers, really, we don't want people sinning. We want people being blessed. We want people being happy. We want people, you know, living for God, enjoying, enjoying God, living in love and living in the goodness of God, making good choices, right choices. And, uh, um, but people don't know what to do about it. People find themselves falling short. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, friends that believe in different, they believe in dealing with it a different way than I do. And I want to explain why we trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to deal with this thing uh, rather than putting it upon ourselves. Last week we talked about the branch and how he said the branch cannot produce fruit. He's talking about good fruit, right? All the fruit of the spirit, the goodness, goodness of God, not sin. There are manifestations of the flesh, but there's also manifestations of the spirit. And he says, the branch, yourself, you can't do it. But if you abide in the vine, if he does it for us, through us, right? And so that takes us from a mindset of instead of trying to live for Jesus, which is the branch trying to produce, we live by Jesus. We live from Jesus. We live through Jesus. We let his life do the, uh, do, do the work. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. That's the vine that he draws, draws the life from. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 14, he talks about sin. And, it's a, and this, this, this verse, these two verses here, really explain how it works. And if people could see this, they would, they would, if people could see what I'm talking about this morning, they would understand what really annihilates sin. I'm just now thinking, this wasn't something I had prepared to, to, to mention, but uh, as, you're, as you're looking there, those of you that are looking at James, chapter 1... Um, I'm thinking of a verse in Zechariah 12 where he says, he says, um, I will pour out on the house of David the spirit of prayer and supplications. He said, but also I will open up a fountain in the house of David. Now, 
the, the outpouring is what we see a lot in the Old Testament, what we see, we see God coming upon people. It's what a lot of people are tuned into. They want God to come upon them, and God does come upon people. But the salvation, the everlasting life, the everlasting springs of life come from the fountain that's inside us. We have a fountain inside us, and that's Jesus, Christ in you. And he says, and that fountain, not the rain, not, the, not the, just the, the gifts, or not just the visitations and the touches of God, but the fountain that's within us, who have Christ in us, that fountain, he says, shall be for sin and for uncleanness. And the falseness will not be spoken anymore. So this fountain in us was going to be the answer for all of that, the vine that we would, that we would uh, draw, from, draw from. So verse uh, 14, James says, But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Now, before that, what he is saying is, now, when you're tempted, he said, don't say that God is tempting you because God doesn't do that. That's what James says. He says, but here's how it works. God's not testing you that way. He's not putting bait in front of you to see if you're going to bite. God doesn't have any evil bait to give you, to, to, to tempt you with. And he says, but here's how it works. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Something within that person. He says, and... Uh, He's drawn away of his own lust. Now remember what lust is. Lust is a longing. It's a, it's a desire. It's a hunger that comes from a sense of need, want, or lack. It comes from a sense of not being whole. And you long for something because, you're, because you want that wholeness. Um, so he says, you're drawn away of your own lust, your own want, your own sense of need. This is why it's very, very important, it's really not optional, that we understand the fullness of God through Jesus Christ because only through that can lust be gone. It's, it doesn't, you don't get rid of lust by a preacher getting up here saying, don't lust. No Christian serious about God wants to. But when they have a sense of incompleteness, when you have a sense of need, then there's always this need and this want and this longing. And, 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 and the Bible says that Christ, that, God, that Christ is the end, or I don't know if it's a Bible, but a song that we were singing used to say, Christ is the end of my desire. When I truly found him and found who he was and what he was, and I truly believed, really it came down to this, when I truly believed that I had everything that I needed in him, when I truly believed that everything my heart desired was from him because I knew that love that he had for me. Ephesians 3.19 says, To know the love of Christ so that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. What's the opposite of lust? Not lusting? No, the opposite of lust is fullness. Because lust is emptiness. God is fullness. And Paul said specifically that, the, that knowing the love of Christ is where you experience the fullness. So when people say, you don't just want to preach love, 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 I say we need to, we need to, to preach it and focus on it more because this is what people need. They say love is good, but you also got to, to warn them of sin. And I'm like, well, what good does that do? It doesn't bring fullness to them. They can try to avoid sin. But he said, here's why, you, here's why you sin. He says, because you've got lust. You still don't have a sense of completeness. And you cannot will yourself to not sin. 
It didn't work for thousands of years. That's what the old covenant demanded, that you will yourself to not sin. We know nobody did it, so what nobody could do because of the weakness of our flesh, God did by sending the Son in, in, uh, in, in, in the likeness of our sinful flesh. And He condemned that sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement would be fulfilled. There's that word again, would be fulfilled in us. So in God is all the fullness. Now I've got to push this because I've got more, a lot more to say about this. He says, but lust, when, it, when it's conceived, it brings forth sin. Now, go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. Now, very briefly, I mentioned this quite a few times, but it's no secret that man was made different from the animals. Our bodies are made of the same stuff as the animals, but we were made different with a specific different type of relationship. And I've mentioned how God gave the animals um, things about themselves. He equipped them in ways to provide for themselves and protect themselves and, and so on. But with man, he really didn't. That's why the Bible points out to us. And that's what it means when it's talking about how we were naked. We were ashamed. We didn't have a, a covering. We didn't have protection from the elements like animals do. We didn't have built-in weapons like animals do for protection. God was our protection. God was our provision. We were created to have a specific relationship with, with the Father, and He created us to be loved by Him. We were created for His pleasure. God is love, and He created us as the object. Get this. You were created as the object of His love. He didn't create you as some little weak flesh creature that He knew would, would mess up so He could punish you. He created you to love you, and you were created to receive that love. You were created to be loved. A bird has, has wings because it's created to fly. What, what kind of a life does a bird have when you clip its wings? It struggles in the worst way. It ultimately dies. It can't feed. It can't protect itself. Because the thing it was created for was taken away. Since the fall of man, man has been, in the words of Johnny Lee, right, looking for love in all the wrong places. And that's what lust has produced, looking for love in all the wrong places. We know that a lust will produce addiction to drug abuse, alcohol abuse. It produces addictions to gambling, sex, Falling in love over and over with wrong kind of people. It produces, uh, it can be, there can be an addiction uh, to shopping. And, and when we're talking about, we're talking about, we're talking about something that people are trying. And people, people do all kinds of things. Shopping therapy. Ah, that's not a sin. Man, I even like a little of it. <laughs> but, but sometimes people will do it, and I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody for this. I'm just explaining how, the, how it works in our heart. Sometimes when you're feeling bad, you just feels good. You want to make yourself feel good. So you go and do something that makes you happy. Because hearts always are, these hearts are made to be filled. 
And so people fight, look, go for these temporary things to feel good because the hearts are made to feel good and we, we, we start feeling good. You forget the problems when you partake in these, 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 these things that seem to make you feel better temporarily. And so oftentimes it actually is sin, sinful, harmful things that people turn to. People can be addicted to many things. Uh, approval of men. <laughs> People can be addicted to many things, things that aren't, that, that wouldn't, that aren't ugly in themselves necessarily, but just things that people are trying to fulfill themselves because of this lust thing. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that all that corruption, pointing back to the Garden of Eden and the fall of man, the corruption came into this world through lust. You shall be like gods trying to get something else. And a lot of times in Christianity, what we want to preach is the fullness of God because unless Christians know fullness, they're going to keep trying to get something that they already have. Are, 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 are you hearing me? And because, because it hasn't been preached, fullness hasn't been preached um, uh, enough in the, throughout the body of Christ and the complete, absolute, unconditional, unlimited love of God for mankind, all of mankind, not just the ones of us in the church that are trying... But it's unconditional love for all of mankind. Um, and until people are convinced of that, they will keep lusting, searching for fullness. Now, Jeremiah 31 is, is this passage here. He's giving a picture using a prophetic um, picture here of salvation. God promising to bring salvation to man. Verse 12 says, Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. <coughs> Nobody streamed to the goodness of the Lord until Jesus came and revealed the goodness of the Lord. This is salvation. They will come streaming to the goodness of the Lord. Jesus died, one man. Twelve men followed him. 120 received his spirit on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 later on on that same day. It's been spreading ever since. People have been coming, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. For wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and the herd, their souls, this inner part of you, this part that was hungry, their souls will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more at all. That's fullness. That's a heart that is full of everlasting joy. A peace that passes all understanding. A love that goes beyond knowledge, according to Ephesians 3. Then will the virgin rejoice in the dance, the young and old together. I'll turn the morning into joy. I'll comfort them. I'll make them rejoice instead of sorrow. Verse 14. I will satiate the soul of the priest with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied. Not lusting. They'll finally be satisfied with my goodness. With my goodness, says the Lord. Just like we were created before the fall of man, we were created to be the souls that would be satisfied with nothing but the goodness of God because that's all he had. That's why he created us. He wanted his goodness going to somebody. For God is love. And that's why you're here today, for that very reason. And you received that goodness when you believed in him. Believed in the name of Jesus. Now, <clears throat> so James is, is saying, in effect, 
You can do what a lot of people do. You can just condemn the sin with words. You can just point at the sinful actions, but that doesn't, that doesn't point to the healing, the, the fullness of the soul. You can, that's like picking the fruit of the tree, picking all the fruit clean and say, there, finally, we're not seeing any of that fruit anymore. Finally, they've been delivered. And then next season, we wonder, why, did they, why is it coming back again? Christians will backslide. Because they'll, they'll come to the altar, they'll promise God they'll do better, they'll feel deliverance, they'll feel clean, they'll mean business, they'll quit their habit for, for a while, and then if they slip up and they fall into it again, they say, well, I've tried my best, I've already had deliverance, I've had prayer, I've had everything I can have, I just can't do this. And they fall away, because they, 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 they think it's about that fr bad fruit. They think it's about the sin because so many people focused on that. James points it. He says, no, the only reason that they're, they're doing this, only, what we call sin is really just the manifestation of the real missing the mark, er, sin, which is the condition of a soul that is still needy. That's the real missing the mark. And what happens because of that is the natural manifestations or the natural fruit of a heart that is still looking, of a heart that is still hungry. So when you just tell them, for instance, don't commit adultery, but you've got a person that is so hungry and that's their place of weakness. And then when they start, when, when, when that hunger starts, starts getting real bad in certain situations, they keep going back to it, and we've told them not to. The adultery itself was not the issue. The issue was this person's heart needed to be healed. And Jesus is the healing of the broken heart. Are you listening to me? No? <laughs> huh? Thou shalt not steal. But you've got a person. See, people have different, different lusts. People have different things in them that somehow brings them pleasure. There are people that just, they, they, they start getting depressed and sad and hopeless and lonely and they just want to go out and steal something. And we say, don't do it. It's a sin because it is, but it's the manifestation of something that's wrong in here. And we can say, don't steal, don't steal, don't steal. And they'll, they'll, they'll use their willpower to try to try not to because that's all they got. All they got's willpower and they will succeed until that thing finally breaks. It runs out. Because they're all in themselves trying not to steal because we told them thou shalt not steal. But if we don't fulfill the heart, if we, don't, if we don't point them to the love of God, if we don't point them to the goodness of God, if we don't talk about they've got everything that they need in Him, and they start, where they start to believe it, and their heart gets filled with the fullness of God to where they don't need anything else because they finally found what their soul was longing for. That's what happened to me. <laughs> Amen. See, they've proven that <clears throat> the United States got the, got the world in a war on drugs beginning back in the 1930s. And it happened because science was doing these, these experiments about drug addiction. And they, were, they, were, they, they started out, and there's this famous, very, very famous documented ex experiment that proved that they had to get rid of all drugs and narcotics, just get rid of all of it, make it all illegal, because they did an experiment where they put a rat in a cage, and, uh, 
and they, they, put water, they put two vials of water in it. One was pure clean water. The other was laced with heroin. The rat doesn't know the difference. He just tastes both of them. But when he tastes the heroin-laced water, that's the one he keeps going back to. He becomes addicted to it. He keeps going back to the heroin water until finally he drinks so much of it that he dies. It kills him. So they, so they, they, they came to the conclusion that there is a substance, that something about that substance is addicting, and if a person tastes that, then they'll just keep coming back to it. And so the, so the answer, if that's true, the answer is, let's just get rid of all of it so nobody can taste it. And that'll get rid of that problem. And so that's, that's how they operated for a long time. But then somebody else was like, wait a minute, that, that looks right, but if that's true that people taste that and they get addicted, then why is it that a person can lay in a hospital for weeks and be, be injected with diamorphine, which is much more pure heroin than anything you're going to get on the street. And they can be putting that stuff in their, in their veins to deal with their pain until they finally uh, feel better and they're released from the hospital. And it says, and they uh, hardly ever, they try to go out and find some more of that stuff because they're done. How come they didn't get addicted? So he did an experiment and he, and, and, and he took the rat he, and and did the same experiment, and sure enough, the rat's going to go back to it until he dies. So he builds, a, he, he builds another cage with this big rat park and has all these wheels and tunnels and all kinds of things for this rat to do, and he, put, and he puts a lot of other rats in the cage. And so there's all these rats in the cage with all this, this stuff for them to do, and the, he has the pure water and the heroin water. They all taste both of them because they don't know the difference. But what he saw in this case was that none of them went back to the heroin water. They all rejected that one and just drank the pure water. What was the difference? There was a sense of fullness in the rat. You put a rat all by itself and isolate it, it ain't got nothing else but heroin. Are you here? Because rats, they're not people, but here's, the, here's an example. Rats are created to be social. They're social creatures. Now, they're not man. They don't have this thing with, 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 with God that we do. We're just created to be loved. They've got their other, 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 other things that they're created for. But, they're, but they were made in a way that they're social creatures. So you put one by itself, it's missing what it was made for. You can't take a man, get a man that without knowing the love of God, he's missing what he was made for. Ah, Jesus came to give us that. Rats are social. And rats are curious, and rats need, to, need things to do. They need to be entertained. You can't just put them in an empty cage with nothing. There ain't nothing to do. There ain't nobody to, there's no mating. There's no nothing going on. I'm just here. Yeah, I'll take the heroin. Because the rat is unfulfilled. When you give the rat the thing that fulfills a rat, he does not want the sin or the addicting thing. Are y'all listening to me? And you give a man what he, was, what he was for, the thing that fulfills a man, which is only one thing. If you don't know it yet, you'll find it out. There's only one thing that fills the heart of man. It is the unconditional, perfect love of God. That's what you've been looking for. That's what you've been wanting. That's what you've been hungry for. But you didn't know it, so you went after the heroin water. You went after the sex. You went after the stealing. You went after the lying. You went after everything that was self-fulfilling or felt self-fulfilling. You went after those things because you, you weren't aware of or didn't have the one thing that was going to fulfill you. 
So that's why instead of just preaching against sin, I preach about the love and the grace and the goodness of God. Let's finish up here with the Ephesians 3 and 19. God said, here's what would happen in this new covenant. My people will be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Now, you know what? I have preached that. And when I, when I get to that word satisfied with my goodness, I've been in congregations where I can feel this. Ah! I don't like that word. It's almost like a dirty word in church. Satisfied. Because to them, satisfied sounds like complacency. Because in the church, they have been tuned to never, ever be satisfied. In fact, satisfaction would be like sin. Lukewarm. Don't care. Never wanting more of God. There's only one God. How much more do you want? Hmm? And he gave you all of himself. In fact, John chapter 3 says that he gives the spirit without measure. We used to, we used to say, well, we got a little bit of spirit, but let's pray for more. We always want to pray for more. God, give us more. Give us more. And the Bible says he doesn't give the spirit by measure. When you got it, you got the whole thing. Amen. Woo! Well, how come it don't feel like it? Because you believe in a lie. You're still thinking you're an old, unregenerated person, still looking for something. When you got Jesus, you got it. And, 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 and I was the same way. And, 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 what I, and, I, and I spent nearly 20 years looking for more of Jesus. Looking for more of the Holy Spirit. Looking for more favor, more blessing. Looking for more and more and more and more of God. I hated that word satisfaction. It was my enemy. Satisfaction would keep me from getting it. I wanted more, 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 Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord. And then finally I got a revelation that everything I was looking for I already had. I was doing just like Adam and Eve did, and that's why I'm making the same mistake they made. And when I found out I had everything in him, there was no more of Jesus. It was, it was more than I ever dreamed of that I already had. I started partaking of what I had instead of wishing I had something. Oh, come on. Huh? I'm, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a table spread before you right now. You don't need to be begging for food. You don't need to be asking for more. Eat what you got there. There's a fullness table in front of you. He has spread a banquet in front of you. Everything you need is in the house, and you're the house. It's right in there. That's why no matter what trouble you're in, when you feel down, when you feel hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, draw from the well. It's an everlasting well. You've got what you need. Would you all stand up? Ephesians 3.19 says, Know the love of Christ who passes knowledge so that you can be filled with all the fullness of God.